1: Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. That's Ryan Roberts. I'm Brian Driscoll. We're getting a little little bit of a late start today because, uh, Ryan, I had some some intel that I had to finish writing up. I've spent the last couple weeks digging in with as many sources as I could to get as much team intel as possible. We dropped a big offensive intel last night. Dropped the offensive one, or defense, that was on the offense. We dropped the defensive one today around 1. Finally got it done around one, so we're getting a little bit of a late start, but that doesn't stop us, baby. We're going to keep talking Notre Dame football, and as we have discussed, we're going to stick with the offense today. A little bit of a primer, however, we have two more shows coming up today. At 6 p.m. tonight, IB Nation Sports Talk will go live with Sean Styers. They are going to talk about potential breakout players for Notre Dame. I believe it's going to be Vince again tonight. I'm not 100% sure. Vince will let me know if that's true or not, but I believe it's going to be Vince with Sean tonight. And then immediately following that at 7.30, we will go live to cover the pending decision by 2023 linebacker Jaden Osbury, the number 38 player in the country, according to ESPN. Big time, big time player. And so we'll discuss all of that tonight uh, in our 7.30 show. But today, Ryan, today we're going to focus on the Notre Dame offense. And, you know, we've kind of done a strengths and then question marks and then strengths and now question marks as we look at the offense. And at the end of the day, the difference between this being a a good offense and a really good, potentially great offense is going to be to the beginning of the foundation of the strengths playing to that level. And then the concerns being answered in a positive manner, the questions being, you know, being answered in a positive manner. If Notre Dame can address these questions and turn them into at least, you know, either strengths, but at the very least just like, no, hey, they're they're solid there. Then I think this offense has a chance to be pretty good. How quickly those things kind of rise up from just okay to strengths is going to determine if this offense can take that final leap and be one capable of putting a team on its back and saying, hey, let's go win a title. Yeah, I think we
2: talked about it yesterday,
1: Brian, that the defense
2: has a little bit more of a smaller gap before between what we conceive as the floor and what the, maybe the ceiling is with that group. This one is the complete opposite where we have high expectations, but there's also a little more volatility, right? So like if things don't develop, this group might not be nearly what we think it can be, but it could also be spectacular. So there is... A wider margin between the floor and the ceiling, in my opinion, on this unit. But there is a lot of explosiveness. We're going to see explosiveness. Just the question of that I talked about yesterday was: Is it going to be efficient explosiveness? That's what I'm looking forward to see because there is a lot of talents. There is so much. It's just a lot of it is sophomores. Like mm-hmm. if we're being honest. Like that's right. the class that is very dependent <clears throat> offensively, especially quarterback, both tackles, wide receiver. There is uh, running backs. There is so many sophomores where you've seen flashes, but just how tangible is it going to be now heading into 2022? So it's exciting for us to talk about. And I also want to put it out there. When you say that we're talking about the questions, I think most people now get in their minds of it's a negative thing, right? Question marks do not necessarily have to be a negative thing.
1: Yeah, sometimes they're just unknowns.
2: A hundred percent. I mean, right. again, like I said last year, I think I said it on two, two days ago or three. I forget, you know, these, these shows are so great that they all blend together at this point, but Isaiah Foskey going into last year was a question mark, right? Like we, we thought that he could be really mm-hmm. good, right. but also we hadn't seen a ton to prove of that. Right. Exactly. So until he puts it on his resume, he is a question mark. Question marks don't have to be a negative. It's just uncertain at this point right. to your point.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: And, you know, when you look at this offense, Ryan, to me, we're talking about a group that didn't play well last year and still scored 35 points a game. Partly because they didn't play very good defenses for most of the year. That doesn't necessarily change a whole lot this year. You know, they played a couple really good defenses last year. I thought Wisconsin's defense was pretty darn good for most of last year. I thought that Cincinnati's defense was really good. I mean, even Bama scored, how many, how many points did Bama score on them? Like 24, 20, something like that. And
2: something like that, you yeah. know,
1: they ran on it, but, but didn't score a lot. And you look at it and say, well, Outside of Clemson, is there a lot of proven, really good defenses on the schedule again this year? And I would say no. no. So I think the the way to evaluate it, it could be misleading. I mean, you, you can't just look at, oh, they're, hey, they're averaging 36, 37 points a game. Well, I mean, there's some teams on the schedule you don't have to play all that great against to hang a 40-50 spot on, if we're going to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. So – it, it, that part needs kind of some nuance. It's not a statistical improvement. It's not okay. They've got to average X number of yards rushing and X number of yards per play, and you know, complete X number of percentage of their passes. It's going to be about dominance, and that's the standard we're referring to. Like some of the questions we have, I have no concerns about any of these groups. Not about any of these groups playing poorly. The que- that's not the question anymore. The only big negative concern I have is health. Because, and that's kind of the first one to start with is you know, you already have two veterans that are out, right? At least we're out for most of the spring and summer. I don't know where Davy Davis is in his return to health. Uh, you know, we expect him back this fall, expect him back for fall camp, but we don't have definitive word on that. Joe Wilkins seems like he might be out for a little bit. Again, we don't, Notre Dame hasn't told us kind of when he's going to be back, but he's going to be out. You know, probably for a little bit because he got injured again in the spring. Mitchell Evans is going to be out for most of the season. Jadarian Price is out already for the season. Logan Diggs is a bit of an uncon- uh, you know, a, a bit of a concern, but we had some some interesting news on you know how early he may be back in that intel piece last night. But the point is there's some injury concerns. Jarrett Patterson, Taurus Peck, you know, right before the spring. So, you know, where would he be? So there's a lot of that kind of stuff. To me, that's the only thing that could make this a below an average to below average offense would just be a rash of injuries. So I think the baseline sure. is just it's going to be good, but good gets you ten and two against the schedule. It doesn't get you to the playoff. It doesn't beat Ohio State and Columbus. It doesn't get you victories in the postseason. This the standard is higher than that, and and, and you've got the coaching in place, the talent in place, but the one thing to me that can derail it all is health. This team has to be able to stay healthy. And that includes getting guys back and making sure they don't add to the injuries that they've already sustained.
2: I mean, injuries is something where for most teams, it would be very tough to, you know, get out of the hole at certain spots. Right. But we have seen some teams where injuries completely derail and I'm not even talking from a Notre Dame perspective. I'm talking just from a national perspective, like some injuries can completely derail a football team and some that you can kind of, get past it and at least supplement that that production a little bit right and I think that the reason that health is so important for me Brian on the offensive side of football is two of the positions that we've been talking about so much about lack of depth right when I think about wide receiver and running back dependent on when Logan Diggs does eventually come back for sure those are the positions where I'm just like if there's an injury at wide receiver or two And you're in a tough spot, right? If you're if Logan Diggs is not back fully healthy by the start of the fall season, and then you have another injury in the running back room, and that's tough, man. It's just the lack of bodies, is even more of a a, a thing where I'm just a little worried. I mean, because that is if you ask me what are the spots on this team that have the least amount of depth entering the fall practice, those would be two of the at right near the top, right? Especially the wide receiver room. So injuries just in general. There's always going to be a little bit of a downgrade to a degree as far as the level of talents. But especially when we're talking about a couple positions on the Notre Dame offense where you just don't have a lot of numbers. It's not even that you don't have quality of – it's not that you don't have quality of talent behind some of these players. It's that you just don't have a lot of numbers right now, especially a wide receiver.
1: I think quarterback is one where there's a big concern of a drop-off behind Tyler Buckner if he goes down? Well, my answer to that is that just depends on how well Tyler Buckner plays. And that kind of leads us into concern number two. It's the quarterback position. And again, this what's the standard we're referring to? Do do either of us have any concern about, gee, is Tyler Buckner going to be able to handle being a starter at Notre Dame? No. Is Tyler Buckner going to be bad? No. Tyler Buckner is going to be at least a solid player in, in our view. Like To me, as long as he's healthy, that's a given. But that's not the standard at Notre Dame, Ryan. We, we've said that. Look, the, the standard we hammered Brian Kelly for not getting to is the same standard that Marcus Freeman's going to be held to and the same standard Marcus Freeman is holding himself and his team to. He said that from day one. The question is, is you can you take that next step? And one of the things that's been holding Notre Dame back, in my opinion, in, in the last several years, uh, on top of not having good coaching at certain spots, because that right there is why I don't think any of these groups are going to be bad. Because I think there's, there's a minimum solid coaching at every spot. There's solid coaching and good talent at every spot, so they're at least going to be solid. The question is, is, can you play at a level that allows this team to take that next step as a program? And that's the level of quarterback play that has been missing. You know, when Brandon Wimbush was on in 2017, that offense went through a stretch of over a month where it just was un- unstoppable. I mean, literally unstoppable. I mean, they just were dominating really good football teams when ian book first took over as a starter in 2018 and he was really clicking completing over 70% of his passes just getting the ball out super efficient offense that notre dame team was was hard they, like they had to play really bad like in, against Pitt mm-hmm. in 2018 for it to even be a competitive game until they until they then went down and that's the the thing for me is they kind of went as the quarterback went if we're being honest And that's going to be true for this team because Notre Dame has tremendously improved its talent and spots, but they're still not to the position where they can go out and win a championship with a Stetson Bennett type of player. And I'm not, that's no disrespect to Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett had some big plays last year, including in the title game, but he's not in the same league as Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow and Mac Jones and players like that. That's, I mean, that's, that's not an insult to him. That's just reality. Notre Dame's not there where they can win with Stetson Bennett. They need a quarterback that could be a playmaker. So as we talk about, can this offense be good enough to go into Columbus and help this team win? Can the offense be good enough to go against what we expect to be an elite Clemson defense? Can it go out to L.A. at the end of the year and outscore USC? Can it get to the postseason and move the ball and score on Georgia and Alabama teams like that? That's a big question mark still, and it starts at quarterback. Sure, And so – that's kind of, that's kind of why this is a question mark is how good can Tyler Buckner actually be now, Ryan, the Intel piece we had last night, I'm sorry, being a tease, but like, I was excited about it as I got it. Cause I got it from multiple sources and the, the teaser to it is there's a lot of people that are like, you, I don't, I think people are going to be surprised how good this kid is They've always liked him, but he's really taken things to another level this off season. And if that continues when the pads come on, you start getting a little excited. But that's the key, right, Ryan? I don't mm-hmm. care what a guy looks like in pat you know in shorts. That's it's all great. It's great intel, but none of it really truly matters until you get out there and can do it with the pads on against the defense we expect Notre Dame to have this season.
2: So, Brian, you said there's some intel out there on some type of board. Where can someone go to find this type of great information? Oh, yeah. It's under us, boards.irishbreakdown.com. You should right. go there right now if you are a loyal listener and you have not checked out the intel. Because, yeah. Like Brian said, great information on offense yesterday. I combed through the defense like a half an hour before I go on here. It's fantastic stuff, man. Really incredible. I remember when Brian called me yesterday with all the intel. I was like, I was like a kid in a candy store, man, just trying to get all this information. So, definitely go sign up there. But uh, Brian, I mean, to your point, right? Again, this is why I started this whole thing off with question marks. Don't have to be necessarily negative in my opinion, because I don't think Tyler Buckner is going to be a below average to bad quarterback, right? Like I think mm-hmm. he's going to be a good football player this year. The question is, is he just a good quarter, just a good player this year and then he builds off of it. And then he becomes a really good player in 2023. Or do we start to see a little bit of like, oh, superstar this year, right? A guy that can carry an offense. Because I expect him to be a just headache for defensive coordinators with his ability to be a passer and to be a runner. That dual threat aspect, I think, is going to drive people absolutely crazy. And that's going to drive people absolutely crazy, whether he is a great football player or he's just a good football player. Because his athleticism is always going to be there and his ability to throw the football is always going to be there. But the question that I have is Is he just going to be a function, a part of the offense with a good offensive line and good skill position? Is he just going to be a good player and just kind of fit in there? Or is he going to be the, at one point before his season got delayed and all the I mean, his season got canceled his senior year? I wouldn't be shocked if he would have eventually been a five star quarterback. If he oh, would have no been question. A
1: senior year, yeah. right? I, so, I had him as a five star. Yeah. But the 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 Elite 11 performance, and it's not the performance mattered. It's that he changed his throwing motion, and yeah. now it became a bit of an unknown. And then he didn't play senior year. He just didn't have the experience. He was still a four-and-a-half-star kid for me, which is a top-50 player. But I think you're absolutely right. I wasn't the only person that had him as a five-star after his junior year. You know, and it's just the last thing that a lot of people had was that Elite 11 performance where he was working on a throwing motion change for some reason. Sure. And then that's kind of what everybody used it for their evaluation. But I I, I believe you're right, Ryan, because he was also transferring to a higher level. He was going to play at Helix High School in San Diego, which yeah. would have allowed him to play against better competition and he would have dominated there as well. And I do agree that he would have been at the at the very least a top 35 player, in my view. Yeah. And and, and so and I think that took a lot of the shine because he was kind of out of the spotlight for a while. Sure I didn't was. think it took some of the shine off of him. And then of course he he didn't play like Trevor Lawrence last year. And so that caused some other people to think he's not, you know, he, he's not all that, but you know, there, there's no doubt the kid. I mean, I, I had two sources say this, like, man, this is one of the best kids like, Notre Dame's had in a long time, you know, when he's on, you know, this kid's dynamic teams are going to have nightmares. I mean, these are things that people are saying about him. Yeah. Well, that, you could say that's hyperbole, but, but like that's kind of what we thought Tyler Buckner would be coming out of high school. It's just, you know, it's nice to hear that we're starting to see that. But as, as, as you circle back, Ryan, can Tyler do that with with the with his pads on? I think that's a, a greater question mark.
2: And I mean his first start ever is going to be going to the horseshoe against Ohio State. So it's it's this is something where I have a lot of confidence in Tyler Buckner, Brian, because I know we've talked about this before. But the kid seems like a really resilient kid, right? Like he doesn't seem like he ever gets too high. It doesn't seem like he ever gets too low. He just kind of has an even keel demeanor to him, which I think even when he's struggling, and this is a big trait for quarterbacks. Like, let's forget about arm strength, anticipation, athleticism, size. Let's throw that out for the window for a second. There's a lot of quarterbacks that get the most out of their ability because they can handle when things go wrong and they just keep working through it and it doesn't bother them, right? And I think that Tyler Buckner has some of that moxie to him. And if he has that, that mental capacity to be able to work through some of those trials and tribulations with the talent level he has, I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. But again, it's an unknown. Just like the Marcus Freeman thing, right? Like we haven't seen Marcus Freeman really coach in a game yet where we can have an honest evaluation of him. We had the bowl game last year. I don't think it's a fully honest evaluation because now this is a completely new staff, full-time coach. Old, like we 100% have a, a absolute understanding where where he stands with this program moving forward and has his guys around him. This is an honest evaluation now of Tyler Buckner. Forget about the the simplified you know role that he had last mm-hmm. year as a Wildcat quarterback. This is an opportunity for him. And I think he has the mental makeup. I know he has the talent. It's just about what version are we going to get this right. season? That's the only question I have with Tyler Buckner.
1: And I, I would phrase I, I agree with you. I would phrase mine a little differently. We're gonna see the Tyler Buckner that that we thought was gonna be a five star this year. The question is, is how much are we gonna see that? And and I think that's kind of you know, like like there were times last year, Ryan, you've watched Bryce Young and you're like, he looked like a red shirt freshman, especially when he lost his receivers, his stud receivers in the in the title game, which is gonna happen to most quarterbacks, much less a red shirt freshman. So even a guy like Bryce Young, who was tremendous last year, I mean, just a special player. You know I'm very high on Bryce Young as a player. He even had some moments where he, you know, it's good that he had some guys around him that were really, really good players because he looked like a redshirt freshman who was still learning the game. It's going to be no different for Tyler Buckner. I think the, the, the question mark for me more than anything beyond can he stay healthy and answer the bell every single week, is going to be the consistency aspect. And we've talked about this before this summer. Can he not just game to game, but throw to throw and series to series? Can he be consistently be that kind of player? But part of the reason there's some excitement about him is because he doesn't have to be right all the time as a passer to still have a big impact in the game. And I think that's the thing that that really has created a lot of excitement uh, with, really with a lot of people is the fact that Look, he can be off, and there's still things Tommy Reese can do to use him to impact the game, and to, and to help him kind of get over those slumps. Where like last year, if the receivers weren't getting off press and the O line wasn't pass blocking, wasn't a whole lot you could do about it. You know, as much as I respect and love Jack Cohn, if those things weren't going, Jack couldn't make plays because he just he wasn't that kind of playmaker. And that's the thing about Tyler Buckner is he can. If if certain aspects of the offense aren't aren't going well. He can step up and make those plays based on his talent. Now he's got to go out and show that he can do that consistently. And I think that's the big question mark. 100%. And then number two, Ryan, and and I'm going to tie these kind of together a little bit. The number number three, I guess I should say, question mark, because the health part kind of encompasses all of this, Mm -hmm. is the perimeter playmakers. And you and I agree that there's talent here you know we we've talked about Lorenzo Styles is is a talented player brain lindsay what he brings to the table i mean i continue to hear rave rave some absurd statements about tobias Merriweather from the summer like to the point where you're like all right come on man like i had to ask somebody once like come on man like seriously like you know me like i don't i don't need sunshine blown up my you know what and he's like dude no seriously like this kid's the real deal all right cool you know so I, that's great There's talent there, but the injury concerns, then the the lack of numbers is a concern. But the other part is, is, as much as we think Lorenzo Styles can be really good, you had a very bold prediction about Lorenzo Styles earlier in the summer. As much Mm -hmm. as I think Tobias Merriweather, who I've said, I would argue is the best receiver they've signed since Michael Floyd back in 08. That's a bold statement that I've made about him. As much as we talk about the upside and potential for Deion Colsey and, and, Jaden Thomas and, and all these different guys, Braden Lindsay, none of them have proven that they can be the guy, especially at mm-hmm. big moments. You know, Lorenzo had a really nice bowl game. That's great. But can he, can he continue that in when the, when the games maybe matter a little bit more, not that the Fiesta bowl doesn't matter, but it was the end of the season. You're going through a coaching change. It just wasn't the same as what's going to be going on in Columbus on September 3rd or sure. in Clemson in November and those type of scenarios. So, That's the thing for me is, can the perimeter playmaker step up? And, you know, there was kind of a debate raging during the chat and, and about somebody had made a comment that, you know, Notre Dame fan had made a comment that, that look, Notre Dame's roster just isn't where Ohio State's is right now. I'm like, well, it depends on what position group you're talking about. Right. And I know Ohio State fans on, on YouTube with, and all their crazy comments think that they're just better everywhere and they should beat every way they play by 50. But the reality is, is there's some positions where Notre Dame is better than Ohio state, but these two positions are why that perception exists. I would, I would not trade Notre Dame's secondary for Ohio state secondary I'd think about a couple guys, but not as a whole. I would not trade Notre Dame's linebackers for Ohio State's linebackers. I would not trade Notre Dame's defensive line for Ohio State's defensive line. I would not trade Notre Dame's offensive line for Ohio State's offensive line. I would not trade Notre Dame's tight ends for Ohio State's tight ends. But there's two positions where there is a perceived and a real, right? The perception comes from the reality of just the lack of provenness of this. There's the the, the perceived gap is here, quarterback and perimeter playmakers. That's where you look at Ohio State, and you're like Heisman finalist at quarterback who was a redshirt freshman last year, who threw zero passes his freshman year, by the way. Mm -hmm. And then you look at the receiver position where even though they lost two top 15 draft picks, they still returned the guy who led the team in catches and yards last year and who ended the season when those guys were gone with a 300-yard game, right? Now, we know that there's a little bit of an asterisk, but okay, if Utah was healthy, he'd had what, 180? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it was still yeah. a dominant performance. That When we talk about how banged up Utah was, it's not to say, oh, he would have had three catches for 27 yards if they were healthy. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, no, it would have been like maybe like eight catches for 150, right? Which is still really good, you know? And then you've got some young, talented guys stepping into the equation. But there's an assumption at Ohio State that's earned that, well, yeah, well, they lost guys, but dudes are just going to step into the mix. That right. assumption isn't there at Notre Dame. I actually think it should be, because even with poor coaching, we saw Will Fuller leave and Equinemi St. Brown stepped into the mix. We mm-hmm. saw EQ leave and Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool stepped up. And Miles goes to the NFL. Chase becomes a stud. Chase leaves if Javon McKinley breaks out and has a year. Javon leaves. Kevin Austin steps in and plays really, really well. So we've seen that kind of that kind of happen at Notre Dame, but it's not to the level with the exception of Chase Claypool and Will Fuller, to what the Ohio State kids have, have produced. Yeah. But I think there's an assumption at Ohio State that they're going to have three, four guys that are really, really good, a great quarterback, and that's valid. That's true. That We accept that. I think until Notre Dame can prove that this group at quarterback and skill players, which, which the reason the perception about Notre Dame's overall talent persists is because there is no more recognizable group of players from a fan standpoint than the quarterback and the guys he's thrown to. Sure, that's just the reality, and yep. so even though we, I just said I would not, and I think most people in the chat know I'm a pretty objective guy. I, I'm going to be wrong, but I'm a pretty objective guy. I don't just blindly say Notre Dame's better everywhere. But I just ran through all these positions where I would not trade Notre Dame's players for Ohio State's, and people think there's this huge talent gap. Why, Ryan? Quarterback, mm-hmm. receiver. That's the not wrong. Mark. You're not wrong, and
2: it's it's a shame too, Brian, because honestly. I, I'm especially thinking a wide receiver for a second. I know the numbers aren't where, where you want it to be, right? And we've talked about, you know, the recruiting woes, especially this last cycle. I only getting one with Tobias Merriweather and some other guys transferring in previous classes. So the number isn't what we want, but I am going to make a statement here that I think a lot of people are going to disagree with and it's, it's fine. I don't think that the gap in talent at wide receiver at the top, Notre Dame to Ohio State, is drastic. Do I think Ohio State has more talent in the wide receiver room? Yes, I do. I think that the development of those players is what is Mm -hmm. super lax. Because I don't think that Ohio State – I don't think that – like Jackson Smith and Jigba for a second, right? Great football player. Is he that much more physically gifted than Lorenzo Styles Jr.? I would push okay. back on that. I would push back on that 100% of the time. Now, would I trade Ohio State's receivers for Notre Dame's in a vacuum? Yes, but it's not right. an easy, easy conversation for me, right? right. Well, my point is, is that Notre Dame has talent, and it's not that far off from Ohio State-level talent at the wide receiver position. The biggest difference is that Brian Hartline has developed his guys, and they are fantastic football players. Notre Dame's wide receivers have not been developed properly. And that's not right just this group. Like, I mean, you could take Chase Claypool had a great last year, but I think he was underdeveloped for the most part of your and he did right? what he
1: did because he was way bigger, better, faster, more athletic than anyone he faced. Hundred I mean, it was it was talent. So I guess the only thing I would disagree with you on that is I get where you're coming from, and I don't I don't disagree this year. I think we would both agree that last year was a different story because Garrett Wilson was oh, a different kind of 100%. player. Yes. But Garrett, Garrett Wilson's a
2: mu- Garrett. Well, you don't have a Garrett Wilson on this roster. No, I don't near. believe so. hundred percent. Where 100%. I would say it.
1: that I'm more confident in the Ohio state group is number one, they have proven that they can get these guys ready to play. I have confidence in Chancey Stuckey, but he's still, again, he has to prove it. It's been a football coach for one year. What the other part to me is the depth there. I mean, you're talking about, you've got, guys between Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., you know, Emeka Egbucco comes back. You've got uh, Julian Fleming, who supposedly is healthy now and ready to play. And then you've got this great freshman class coming in, and some of the guys that get all the hype in that freshman class aren't even my favorite players, right? I mean, a lot of people talk about Caleb Burton. I ranked him fourth of their receivers coming in. Wow. That's because I like some of the other guys. You know, I'm very high you know, on the kid they got from Chicago last year, Caleb Brown. I'm very big on – Uh, The kid they got from Georgia. I'm very big on Keon Graves. The kid they got from Arizona. Like, it's a really good receiving core. That's the difference. Now, I would not rank any of those guys ahead of Tobias Merriweather. But if I'm playing in a 7-on-7 game and it's Tobias Merriweather and nobody else and those four guys, guess who's going to win? The team the four. And so I think from a number standpoint, that's where Notre Dame still needs to get to. But... You know, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think that I think that right now I, I think that Ohio State's guys at the top are clearly more established. I think that they are a little bit higher level. Like I put Marvin Harrison Jr. a little bit over like a Deion Colsey, for example. But is he better than Tobias Merriweather? I don't know. I don't think he is. You, but I mean, Marvin's year two and Tobias is year one, right? 100%. And so I think those are some of the areas where I say I, I – I would lean towards Ohio state, but it's not like a, it's not like it was last year or mm-hmm. two years ago when it was even worse. Like when you had Jamison Williams there two years ago with those guys and he could get on the field and you had Jackson Smith. And I mean, think about this two years ago, Jackson Smith and Jacob could barely get on the field. Jamison mm-hmm. Williams could barely get on the field because how deep they were at wide receiver. Right. That's They're not quite there yet. Right now. I think in a couple of years they will be because there's, you know, as long as they don't lose guys they are going to have another one, but, I, for 2022, I get your point, Ryan. And 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 you talk about Jack, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and he's you know six foot, six one, 185, 195 pounds, right? Similar to to, to Lorenzo Styles. But look what he did as a, like Jackson Jackson Smith and Jigba had 95 catches for 1,606 yards last year and nine touchdowns. It's a heck of a year. Yep. He had 10 catches for 49 yards the year before as a true freshman. 10 catches for 49 yards. But yet if you ask a Notre Dame fan, they're gonna tell you that Lorenzo Styles, who had 24 like Lorenzo Styles had almost had well over twice as many yards, almost three times as many yards as Jackson Smith and Jigba did as a freshman against Oklahoma state. Yep. He almost topped that and then almost topped his season totals against Oklahoma state. And so, but there's the assumption that he won't break out because Notre Dame hasn't proven that their guys can step into those roles. And I do think that's a fair thing to, to discuss. Now the person that I think kind of held that group back, is no longer here. The, yep. the The reason I'm not as as ready to jump on with that talent becoming production like I am the offensive line is because Coach Stuckey doesn't have the proven track record that Harry Heasman has. He's, Same thing. He's with also back. an unknown. He's right. an unknown. Right. right. There's a lot of unknowns. There's exactly. more production coming back at receiver, significantly more than there is at running back. But why did we put running back in there? Because I know D.L. McCullough has a a decade plus long track record of turning guys into big time college football players. Hundred percent, And that's really where it comes from. So it's the combination of the lack of provenness of the receiving core and the lack of experience of Chancey Stuckey that makes me say, I just can't throw it there yet. They got a lot of guys that got to prove themselves right now. Braden Lindsey's got to prove himself. Lorenzo's got to prove himself that he can be that guy, that he can be that alpha that you're referring to. Tobias now has to show that what he did this summer without pads on can be translated when guys can hit him right Mm -hmm. now. I think it will, but that's a remain to be seen. So I think it's the unknown aspect of this and the lack of depth is the thing for me that remains a troubling part. But I I do agree a hundred percent with Ryan from this standpoint, is I do think Notre Dame fans are dramatically underselling the talent that Notre Dame has. Do I think they have five future first-round draft picks? No. I think they have two. I do. And I think there's some other guys that can, in their roles, can be really good players. Do I think Brayden Lindsey can be a high draft pick? No, I don't. Do I think Brayden Lindsey Lindsay could be a, a difference maker for Notre Dame this year? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. and then you throw in the fact that they're going to have Michael Mayer to help take some of that burden off, the Ohio State receivers don't have that. They don't have Michael Mayer. And so then you get down to, for this team to be good, is the combination of Michael Mayer and Lorenzo Styles going to be as good as the combination of a whatever the one-two punch is for Ohio State? And I think that's the big question mark. And and that's where you say, okay, that's where I think Ohio State has the benefit of the doubt because they will have those guys step up because that's what they've always done. Yes. So that's what they do. They just reload. And that's what great team. that's what great programs do. Mm-hmm. Lose Justin Fields, no problem. CJ Stroud steps right into the mix. And they've done that for years. They lo- lose Dwayne Haskins or, you know, JT Barrett leaves and they- Dwayne Haskins steps in. He's even better. Lose Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields steps in and takes over. Lose Justin Fields, CJ Stroud steps in and takes over. Notre Dame doesn't get that benefit out of quarterback and shouldn't because they haven't earned sure. it. And that's the difference. They have to earn that. And hopefully this year begins that process.
2: I agree completely. And I mean, even a wide receiver, Brian Hartline is on the short list of best receiver coaches in college football. Like, I mean, let's, him, Holman, Wiggins out of Alabama. Like they're, these are the, the best developers of talent at that position. And Brian's done it in a very short amount of time. And I, I think you talked about it a little bit, Brian, in the past that Hartline was also an unproven guy when he first got to Ohio State, right? Like he didn't have... A track record but he does now certainly right. right like he is just producing first rounder after first rounder after first rounder like it is just a ridiculous kind of uh, a rate that they're going yeah. on at the position so can Chansey Stuckey be a great receiver coach for Notre Dame I think so but again right. we don't know that this is it's the uncertainty that we keep talking about the point that I was ultimately trying to make is that I don't think Notre Dame if Notre Dame does not have a good wide receiver room in 2022 i don't think it's because of a lack of talents i think it's because underdeveloped it doesn't get developed properly or to the the Mm over-encompassing point was that there's just not a lot of numbers right and if there's injuries that happen or there's people that get stunted of growth then we don't have a lot of depth to work from there's just not a
1: great number in the room and that's why i think ohio state to me has a clear advantage over notre dame is if jackson smith and jigba goes down there's a couple guys I could point to and say, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. has the talent to become the dude. Very fair. I think Emeka has the talent to become the dude. Uh, I don't think that after Lorenzo and Tobias – well, it, and none, neither of them are freshmen. After mm-hmm. Lorenzo, there's not a non-freshman that I look at and say, I think that guy this year – and when I talk about Emeka and Marvin, it's this year. Sure. I think if, if they're thrust into a go-to role, they would – be fine now they're not being thrust into that because Jackson is back but if he got hurt and Marvin Harrison had to become the guy I think he'd have a 70 plus thousand plus yard season I think if a right. Mecca was thrust into that role he would have a big big time season I may, maybe not quite that way because he still has a little bit of of refinement needed but the talent is outstanding so I do think the top of the board talent is better at Ohio State I, I do but it's but that's only if you're looking at receiver because if you put both teams tight end rooms into this conversation which is the, in in practicality what would happen because they are part of the pass game then we're having a different conversation because Lorenzo isn't Notre Dame's number 1. Michael Mayer is. And and that's kind of you know how, how I look at it. So that's kind of where I come from Ryan is is they 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 need to show it. And sure. it, to your Stucky hartline comparison, I mean, Chancy Stucky actually has more experience than Brian Hartline had as a coach. Because Brian Hartline had one year as an offensive quality control assistant at Ohio State before he took over as their full-time coach. Sure. He, like Chancy Stucky, had the NFL background. Like, he played in the NFL. The NFL, I think, at receiver, does prepare guys to be able to go teach it if you want to do it. I do. I think guys like Brian Hartline and Stucky Stuckey were not elite talents, right? They yeah. weren't you know, the physical gifted players of, of, of other guys, they had to really master their craft. And guys like that tend to transition really well to being coaches. Mm-hmm. And so our our comments about Chancey Stucky are not, he's not going to be good. Or no. it's just, if we're being honest and objective, analysts of this football team, you have to be willing to say, yes, I'm optimistic, but he's got to show it. And that's what we're going to find out this year. If these questions are answered favorably, Mm -hmm. this is the This is the deal. If Tyler Buckner has everyone realizing, like you know what, that he is that guy. Mm -hmm. If the receiving core plays to the level you say it can, and, and I, I don't necessarily, I'm not quite there with you, but we're not far off. You throw the tight ends, we're on the same page. If the pass catchers can be to that level, then yeah, we are talking about this offense being really, really good. I will just say I'm a little bit more cautious with my optimism at receiver than I am at other positions. That would be my only holdup, just because we've been here before with Braden Lindsey. Right. I mean, I think he would tell you that. Right. Like we've been here before where this is the year he breaks out. Now, I think he will. He's, but again, it's a show me game. This is a show me sport, man. 100 percent.
2: Braden and Lindsay has broken my heart more than any woman right. ever has. Okay, And I, I
1: honestly my... think much of it really wasn't his fault, to be completely honest with you. I don't think the coach was I don't think the kid was coached worth a darn. I would
2: love to see Braden Lindsey get a a restart now, right? Like imagine if he was a freshman this year or a younger player this year with a different coach. I would love to see just the career arc that he would have had in a different situation, if I'm being completely honest about it.
1: Yeah. So, again, I'm optimistic, but he's got to show me. I think Lorenzo can be the dude. I think We've seen this. We've seen sophomore receivers with way less production than they, than Lorenzo had as freshmen become studs, and I've pointed this out before. Golden Date had six catches as a freshman. Year two, 58 for over 1,000. Will Fuller had six catches as a true freshman. Year two as a sophomore, over 70 for over 1,000 yards. Equanimity St. Brown had a grand total of one catch for like eight or nine yards as a true freshman in 2015. Breaks out the next year over 50 catches over 900 yards would have been over a thousand if they played the bowl game that year. I mean, we've seen this over and over and over again. Miles Boykin had like 13 career catches going into 2018. You know, Javon McKinley had a small handful of catches going into the 2020. So we've seen this before. Kevin Austin went into last year with what, six catches? Six career mm-hmm. catches. And, and so and none of them could match what Lorenzo did as a true freshman. I mean, Lorenzo had more production in, in one game than most of those guys had their entire freshman seasons. The only right. exception being Wolf Fuller had six catches for like 160 yards as a freshman. That's the only one that did have more production than what Lorenzo had in one game. But I think that the overall pessimism about the receiving core is 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 warranted and valid. And that's why I think that position more than any other is you got to show me. I think Tobias Merriweather can be a stud. He's got to show me. I think Deion Coles has a chance to be a really good football player. This year, he's got to show me. Jaden mm-hmm. Thomas is a guy that I hear tons of good stuff about. He's got to show me too. Yes. We hear about it all, all right. the time
2: about Jaden Thomas. No matter who yep. we
1: talk to, he's got to show me. And Avery yep. Davis has to just show me he can be back. That's the and that's the that's the other concern. That's the one established, I know what that guy can do, and he's gonna do it in big games, fella. But he's coming off a torn ACL. Mm-hmm. So that just adds to it. But the the talent is there, and I think that's what continues to be the thing that that I don't think everyone appreciates enough about this receiving court, Ryan, is yep. there's more talent and athleticism and speed here that I think a lot of fans are willing to give them credit for. And I think it's it's a little bit of an understandable thing. But part of it, too, is I, I do think this is where the, the whole BK PTSD thing came from because it, it what it really boiled down to at its heart is not wanting to get too excited because you don't want to have your heart broken. hundred percent. That's really yeah. what it boils down to. And, you know, a friend of mine and I were talking the other day, uh, he writes for another Notre Dame website, a great guy. And we were talking about, you know, he's long time went to Notre Dame, long time Notre Dame guy. And we were talking about just past games and why the Notre Dame crowd isn't loud. And we started talking like, you know, 2018 for Michigan, that crowd was crazy loud. You know, 2015 for Texas, it was crazy. I mean, so there's been those moments, and we're like, well, well, why is it not loud now? And it's like, well, partly because they haven't had really any good teams come to play. Clemson 2020 would have been insane if it was if it wasn't for COVID. But it's just like the Cincinnati game last year. I've mentioned, right? There just was no energy there. Like, mm-hmm. it's just two undefeated top 10 teams. The winner has a clear path to the college football playoff, and there's right no energy because. Notre Dame fans didn't want to get too excited because it was like, we've been here, we've done this before, and we know how this is going to end. And you know what? They were right. I think that's, going back to, to Marcus Freeman and to Tommy Reese, the biggest thing they have to overcome is, because I think this is also permeates in the program with the players, too. They have to overcome that and say, hey, look, this isn't the way it used to be. There's a new sheriff in town. There's a new standard here. You know, Tommy Reese, this is my offense, not BK's offense that he's letting me run. This is my offense, and this is how we're going to go about our business. And and he's got to be able to be that guy that says there's a new attitude, there's a new demeanor, and and if Tommy Reese can get the offense to play with the demeanor that he played with, Mm -hmm. they're going to be really good because here's the reality. Tommy Reese did not have much talent, but Tommy Reese was wicked smart, and he was one of the most competitive kids that Notre Dame had. You know, if you could have given him like, you know, some of the talent, some of these other quarterbacks in their name have had, he'd have been a heck of a player. So if, if his personality can be the one that the offense adopts, not the one of the former head coach, that's a final reason why I have a lot of optimism. And we didn't talk about this yesterday. Probably should have is now that he's in charge. I really do believe that this offense is going to play with an edge because Tommy Reese coaches with an edge because he played with an edge. Sure and can. that could help over answer some of these things as well, Ryan.
2: He had to play with an edge mm-hmm. to your point. I mean, and, and this is really funny because I feel like we do think very similarly sometimes because I was about to bring up the fact that I think when we're talking about the development of the skill position too, the outside receivers specifically is what we're talking about. Compared to Ohio State, we talk about I've talked about Brian Hartline a ton do you know, need to talk a little bit about that. Ryan Day system awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Like he understands how to get guys open and understands how to utilize skill sets. Absolutely. And we saw in the ball game that I think that Tommy Reese also has that. I'm not going to say yeah. he's going to be Ryan Day in the immediate future. Because mm-hmm. Ryan Day is a very yeah. great offensive mind. No mm-hmm. doubt. But I think that as long as the Ohio, the Notre Dame wide receivers have taken a step from a fundamental perspective and they're playing confidently, I do have trust that Tommy Reese can take advantage of that and utilize them in ways that can take advantage of their skill sets. Are they all going to be the this absolute studs that their talent says that they can potentially be this year? Probably not. they not need to be. Law, yeah, exactly. Well, the law of averages would also say that that's not going to happen. But to your point, they don't need to be if your offensive system is to that degree. You can make so many things happen when you have – the ability to get those ISOs, clear out, manufacture space, all those types of things that we've seen Ryan Day do. And we did see, we have seen in spurts Tommy Reese do, but I, like you, think that he was a little handcuffed at points yeah. during his offensive coordinator career. So I'm excited to see him fresh because he's a competitive person and he reads everything, yeah. right? There, There's people in, in this chat and they can feel the way they want to feel but they have doubts about Tommy Reese as an offensive coordinator. Sure, There's, It's out there. And Tommy Reese
1: sees that. I'm sure, I'm sure. I'm Well, I know that he has people that at least show him stuff, yep. you know, as much as he tries to, I think, stay out of that, but it, everything gets back. Right. And, and the thing for me with coach Reese is when you, you saw, I mean, the scheme in the first half was really good. Uh, it was, I mean, they just shredded a really good Oklahoma state defense, but that team was playing with some swagger. Sure was. I mean, you know, Talk about the Ohio State matchup. Go back and watch Lorenzo Styles' first touchdown. The nickel guy that he smoked for a touchdown is supposed to be Ohio State starting nickel this year. Just I'll letting take, you know,
2: t- Tanner McAllister. Yeah, the, I mean yeah. that's yep. he
1: was covering him on a post route, and Lorenzo just ran by him. That mm-hmm. guy's going to be starting against him in the first game of the year as well, right? And and so but that team played with an edge where they lost the game is because they then in the second half, they got dominated in the trenches and they got coached fundamentally because there were things they couldn't do. I think that's the part that I think is gone. And I, but, but they got to show that it's gone. I mean, Harry, he stand, it's it's gone. He, as soon as he stepped in the room, it was gone because of his proven track record. If coach stuck, can get this group playing fundamentally sound football. I do think the talent is there for them to be at least a pretty good wide receiving core. I'm not ready to, to go full on where you are right now because mm-hmm. I still need to see more from Lorenzo. Sure. But I, 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 it's got a chance to be pretty good, especially when you factor in Michael Mayer. <clears throat> I think the last part for me, Ryan, that you look at that Aries has got to improve is we talked a lot about the offensive line yesterday and, and the running backs. And I fully anticipate the pass protection to be outstanding this season. And I think the running game is going to be a lot better. There's one final question mark about the running game, though, that we do need to address, and that is, can the running game be dominant can, in the big games? And that's a question mark. And and honestly, it's partly a question mark be, because of you need to see it, but also there were times with Coach Eastan, and this is true for everybody, where in some of those big games, they weren't able to really establish a running game. I think of the Georgia game in, to- in 2017. I think of Miami later in the year. Now, there were things that were done schematically and mistakes were made in the backfield and all those other type of things, but they weren't able to kind of go out there and just establish their will in some games. Yep. They're going to have to do that this year. And so that's my question is the running game at some point in time this season is going to click and it's going to be, wow, that's really good. The question okay. for me, however, is how soon Will that happen? Because that could determine whether or not you go into October 3-1 and or 4 No. Mm-hmm. And we all know what I'm talking about. If the running game needs time to get going, Notre Dame probably loses the opener. If they can set the agenda in the opener with, hey, we're here and we're dominant and we're, you know, we're not, we don't need no grace period. We're ready to roll, you know, then I think they have a shot to go win that first game especially if the other things we discuss get answered because the, the that's the thing is. So I still have question marks, not so much about the run game. I think at the end of the year, the numbers are going to look great. I think yeah. in October, November, the run game is going to be excellent. I have two questions about it. How quickly can they get going, and can they get going against the elite defenses? That's not a question mark for me in the opener. Despite CBS Sports ranking Ohio State's defense fifth in the nation coming into the 2022 season, Ryan, we haven't talked about that yet. You and I will talk about that at the show, which is patently absurd. They, It's just not that, but yeah. it's a big game. Can you be there in the big game, but more so when you play Clemson in, in November, can you go out against that offensive line and say, we're going to give you room to run. Now it's up to you to go do something with it. Those are the two question marks I have, how quickly and can they really be at their best in those big moments? Because there's a chance you're going to play George in the postseason. Guess what? I don't care who they lost in the NFL. Like a good buddy of mine was like, I don't know if George is going to have a great defense. They lost this guy, this guy, this guy. So, yeah, but their best players coming back. And, and they've got this guy, Nolan Smith. They've got this other guy that's stepping into the mix that they're going to be fine. And and so they're going to still be there. Bama's going to have a better front seven this year than they had last year. And they were pretty good last year. So to win a championship, you're going to have to beat several teams with great front sevens, which means this offensive line is going to have to be able to establish itself in the run game in those games. Having a mobile quarterback helps, but I'm not talking about Tyler Buckner pulling and keeping it on an outside run. I'm not talking about jet sweeps. I'm talking about can you line up and say we're going to run our inside zone, our counter, our outside zone, or our our duo, we're going to run our stuff and we're going to be able to do it effectively and force you to have to reduce your box because then we're going to be able to go out and make plays on the perimeter. That, to me, is still a bit of a question mark for this unit. The
2: the, the things that gives me hope with the units, and I agree it's 100% a question mark because it's just something we haven't seen consistently at all at a high level over the last couple years. The things that gives me hope is, one, Harry, he stands coaching, right? That's an easy one. The offensive line should be a much more aggressive unit They should be much more physical. They should be much more downhill. So I think that they are going to be able to establish and move the line of scrimmage in their favor more often than not. That gives me hope to start with. Number two is I like the running back room. We've talked about it, right? I think you mix and match these, this talent level. And it's a, you'll have a lot of different abilities to run inside zone, outside zone, pin and pull gap schemes. Like I think that you can do almost anything with this trio of runners or more that you could potentially have depending on when Logan Diggs gets back to in the folds. And then the last thing, Brian, and we've talked about this a ton is having the threat of Tyler Buckner is going to make some easier boxes. It's, it's just going to that, that slot defender, that overhang, whatever you want to call him, That guy has to get eyes on Tyler Buckner or else he's just going to pull it. And that's just the end of the game, mm-hmm. right? That's the numbers game at the end of the day, those things all combined tells me that Notre Dame's running game is going to be better than last year, I believe. Mm -hmm. Now we haven't seen it, so it's still a question mark. There's no doubt. My biggest question with this team, and I think that it's going to be better because I think that there is – there's obviously a a new onus on Tommy Reese having more freedom, and there's a new head coach involved. But there have been points, and you mentioned this already, in the past where – there was a very passive approach to running the football, and there was not an assertive approach. I think back to, was that the Georgia game a couple of years ago? And I know the running game at that point, like I think Tony Jones Jr. was their best runner, their leading rusher In that 19? Year. I think it was 19. Yeah. Remember after the game, I think Brian Kelly said something like, we knew we weren't going to be able to run the ball. Right. And I'm just like, you don't say that, Because they only sir. had one
1: healthy running back. Yeah. Was part of it too, like you know, but and still. I, and I get aired that. Nine like, times,
2: right? Nine and, times. And I, well, and, and my, my biggest quarrel with that, Brian, is like, yeah, you probably weren't going to run the ball, but you don't say that out well, loud, man. And like you. Part of it to was too. He defeated. didn't want to
1: play Kyron Williams. He won't play Kyron yeah. Williams in the game. Yeah. So it's, yes. it's just, but yes, it's just you, such you don't a, say that because that defeat. But it was the mentality, approach. Ryan. It was the mentality. The that's mentality wasn't there, and when your head coach says those things, that's the mentality you're going to have, and you know, this, I just, this is, this is going to be a different group. It's going to be a different group, but it's, again, a lot of this comes down to Ryan. It's show me time. Right. And we're excited for the season and we're talking a lot of good things and we think they can do this and we think they can do that. And I think they can be, I do genuinely believe this team can be a playoff team. And if some things go there in their way and go in their favor, I think this team can compete for a title, the margin for error is way thinner. They have to catch some breaks during the season, if I'm being completely honest with you, meaning maybe some better health than you anticipate. Maybe some guys step up that you weren't necessarily trying to step up. You catch right. a break in regard to somebody. You know, like Georgia caught a break to win a title. If they, if Jameson Williams doesn't get hurt, they don't win a title, in my opinion. They caught a break. Hey, no one's taking that ring from them, right? It's like it's like that scene at the end of, uh, of uh, Talladega Nights. He's like, you know. You try to take this from him, I'm going you right in your face. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this is still our trophy. You know, it's don't blame us because your dudes got hurt and you didn't have guys ready to go. But that's still catching a break. I don't dismiss it. That's part of that's part of sports. I mean, that's part of sports. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think it's just for me, it's like it's all good. It sounds great. And it just I got to I just got to see it right? At and, some of these positions, like receiver, I got to see it. Can Tyler Buckner be that dude? Is there a lot of excitement in the program about him? Absolutely. But I got to see it. You know, can the run game go out and dominate Ohio State? Yeah, it's capable of it. I got to see it. Can they be better against Clemson in November in, in the run game than they were against Georgia in 2017? Yeah, but I got to see it. Right. And that's kind of where we're at. And and they got to stay healthy. I think those two things are, are where... It's going to determine whether this is a ten and two team. That's okay. hey, good first season for Marcus Freeman. Or is it like okay, Marcus Freeman's already starting? It's like if they go ten and two, it's like okay, you know, you, you feel good about the future because he maintained what Kelly did, yeah. but the recruiting is better. So now you're excited about the future. And,
2: and, and you didn't stunt that momentum on the recruiting
1: trail right. you're ten and two. You right. can
2: still paint that as like, hey, we're right. my first
1: year. We're heading in the right, right. direction. 100%. Or does he say we're already past where we were sure. and that's going to be determined a, a lot by here? Cause the question marks on defense aren't to me as great. I, I have a lot more confidence in that. The defense is going to be pretty good this year. You know, I don't think the secondary stinks. I think Notre Dame fans have really convinced themselves that this secondary is worse than it actually is. It's not as bad as you all make it out to be in my opinion. I understand why recency bias is a real thing. We all experience it. I understand it. You have the visions of you know Clarence Lewis just constantly getting beat on one-on-ones against Oklahoma State. That's not who Clarence Lewis has been his whole career. He's had some moments like that. It but he's not gonna be that bad. And if he is, somebody's gonna beat him out. You know, the, the front seven should be really good. They have an all American have two of the best defensive backs in the country in the secondary. Like mm-hmm. the bar's been raised. And and so to me, I look at it and say, that side of the ball, I have supreme confidence in because we've seen it. Yes. Offensively, we just haven't seen it. Not with any consistency. There were times when Chip Long had this offense rolling. And then there were times those offenses just couldn't move the ball against good teams. There were times last year that Tommy Reese had this offense rolling, even in a game. First half against Oklahoma State, if that's the offense we see most of this year, Notre Dame's going to win a lot of games. Second half, if we see that offense much this year, they're going to lose some games or or win some ugly ones against teams that they can out-talent. It's about putting it all together, and and like I said, we now we just got to see it. That's going to be – yeah, that's going to be it. There's a combination to get excited for, but yeah. so you put it all together
2: – it's not a real right. thing yet. So right. I agree with you. And, and
1: I, I want to say this too. Brian J. Iris says, I'll still take an unknown chance he stuck you than a known Dell Alexander. N- no question. But that's not really what we're saying. What yes. we're saying is they're going to be, we've said this before, they're going to be better on the offensive line this year. They're going to be better at wide receiver this year. The question that we're talking about is how much better? Because the standard isn't be better than Dell. That's not the standard that's just like if you walk in and you just try, you're going to be better than Dell. The standard is, can you get that group to play to the level it needs to play to to go out and and compete for a championship? That's the question mark for Coach Stuckey. That's a much higher bar, like a much higher bar. It's like I have full confidence that the day, the day Chancey Stuckey coach showed up in their name, he was better than Dell Alexander. Full confidence in that. That's not very hard, though. And, and the question is, is can, can Coach Stuckey be kind of in a, in a short period of time become the type of teacher and mentor and coach that's needed to take a group that's lacked confidence? Because there was one theme that was permeating through the entire intel, yes, of the receivers. Tobias shows up with a certain level of attitude. The one question mark that I heard about a lot of the different receivers, Brain Lindsey, Lorenzo Styles. Deion Colsey was consistency and confidence and they didn't always have it and they're starting to figure it out that to me is the greatest thing that Chancey Stuckey can 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 give them besides just the basics that honestly a GA could teach them. to me for coach Stuckey to get to that level it's not oh wow did you see the phenomenal press release moves that he you know he's built in that's not that hard to teach if you care. Right, it's more of the mentality, the mindset. When Kevin Austin got hit in the mouth last year, I, I don't, I, I'm not gonna say this disrespectfully. So I'm gonna, let me think of how the right would say. It. His game took a big hit. How about that? Is that a nice way of saying it? He was largely ineffective in those moments where he got hit in the mouth, and it's not because Kevin Austin didn't have courage or didn't want it or it's he wasn't given the tools technically and mentally to handle those situations that come from coaching. That's why coaches get paid lots and lots of money. Great. I think that's the question for Chancey Stucky. Can he give them the mental and technical tools that when they get hit in the mouth, they're like, okay, I got something for you next time I come back out here. And and great
2: coaches aren't just great teachers. They're great
1: challengers, right? right? Like they're, they're challenging them to be the
2: best version of themselves. That's why in the Intel piece you put out, it's like a couple of kids, it's like, we want them to be more consistent. Well, I, I guarantee it's not a, a, like a super is inconsistent as people might read that as, right? It's just that Chancey Stuckey wants them to be the best version of themselves and they're not there yet, right? Mm-hmm. Like they need, in order for this team to be great, I agree with you, Brian. And that's why I brought up that, that little comment by Brian Kelly in the past, because that's not expecting your team to be great, man. That is just settling. That is being passive. These coaches need to demand excellence out of these players because the talent is there. It's always been there for being honest. Has it been short in a spot here and there? Of course, in a group here and there. Of course. But it's not because of a lack of talent, I believe it's because there were some coaches on the staff in the past that did not demand their players to be the mm-hmm. absolute best that they possibly could be. I think the chancey Stuckey is going to demand that out of these players i think i know yeah. harry he is going to demand those out of the players and everything i've heard from marcus freeman just in general tells me that he's also going to demand that while also appealing to a younger crowd so i'm mm-hmm. excited but to your degree to the point of this entire show these are all things that get us super excited the possibilities the upside that all gets you super excited but until you see it it's not real that's the that's yeah. the end all be all to it
1: right that's going to do it for this portion of the show. We're going to have a mailbag. We already have 19 different questions starred. We have a lot of super chats. So we're going to get to those uh, in the mailbag portion, but that's going to do it for this one, Ryan. And again, this is the answers to these questions are going to go a very long way towards determining if this is another 10 and two type of season, because again, the schedule is stronger. When Notre Dame has played multiple ranked opponents in most recent years, they have been a two loss team in, in in these most of these seasons. Now they're going to prove that they can at least minimum continue that or take the next step. That'll be determined by the answers to these questions. Before we move on to the mailbag, please hit that like button, everybody hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, but don't go sign up for the board yet because unless you're listening later, then you can hit pause, then go to boards.irishbreakdown.com and sign up for that reminder If for, for some of you that may take off now, don't go, but if you are. Six o'clock tonight is the IB Nation Sports Talk Show with Sean Stiers, and then seven thirty, we're going live again to uh, cover the pending decision of Jade Nosbury, the linebacker from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, who will be decide between Notre Dame. It's uh, Notre Dame, LSU, Texas A and M, Michigan, Auburn, and Alabama are the schools he will choose from. So, you are going to want to check that out tonight as well.
3: MyPatriotSupply.com